Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. How's everyone doing? I'm so glad you guys are here. Well, this morning we are starting our Advent. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will not bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. I have a confession that this time of the season, sometimes I feel a little bit like a Scrooge because I've read these stories hundreds of times. I've gone through these things and what more can I say, right? How, what am I supposed to do with this story different? You can't change the story. It, it is what it is. But I know how important it is to provide perspective to the season and something to help us keep our hearts in the right place, right? Not to fall into the temptation of the the hustle and the bustle that's out there, the commercialism that it's become. And I don't think that the problem anymore, at least with me, is so much the commercialism. It's more just the season itself, right? It's not that the season has become secular. It's that the season seems to be a distraction from my life, right? I mean, I've got so much going on right now. Do I really need Christmas parties? And do I really need shopping? And do I really need other things? And it almost seems like the season has become a distraction in my life. And that's just the way I feel. Bah humbug. I know it's just kind of like, yeah, thank you, Sam. We feel very good right now about Christmas. Very inspirational. But that's the truth. It seems like I've got life going on and now there's this interruption. 
this interruption of the season that's supposed to be something of a celebration of my faith, and it becomes a distraction of my life. And trying to work through this, I decided that this passage, even though when I started reading it, it really just kind of sat there. It didn't jump out to me at all. It didn't speak inspiration to me. And it's partly just because of where I'm at. But it's difficult when you're seeing something and you're reading it and it's just there, ink on a page, and you're trying to pull out of it something. You're just saying, God, give me something from this. And it just seems mundane and it seems ordinary. It seems old. It seems worn out. It seems irrelevant, right? I mean, I I don't have anything to do with Palestine back then. I don't relate to mangers at all, right? They're not something, they don't dress the same. They don't talk shepherds. Okay, there's shepherds out there. There's mangers out there. I just, it's not my life. And then the culture doesn't help. The news doesn't help. You know, you get things on the news like this. You know, Pope Francis sends a relic of Jesus' manger to the Holy Land. There it is. People are going to see that. That does nothing for me. I'm just telling you, maybe it is, maybe it is. How do they know? I don't know. How do they know that's the manger? And so what? What does that mean to me in my life? And so I hear these things and it just kind of frustrates me. It's it's still a season where we struggle. I'm struggling with things that I'm going through. People struggle with loneliness. People struggle with depression at this season more than other times because of maybe the loss of a loved one, because of the things that have happened. And so this season becomes more difficult. I'm preoccupied with concerns about my mom. And the last thing I need right now is a holiday season. I've got too much to work on, too much to focus on that I don't need something like this. Last night, I was with my family at my mom's house. And for those of you who don't know, my mom is now on hospice care. They're not trying to bring health to her. They're trying to bring comfort to her as her life is ending. And it's declining rapidly. And I apologize to you guys for not being able to say goodbye maybe the way you wanted to because it happened quickly. She was with us not too long ago and she can't be anymore. And I know you guys have sent cards and they mean so much and thank you again for the love, support, the notes that you've sent to her, the comments on Facebook, all those things we're reading to her and I'm sorry that she can't be here and I'm sorry that some of you may not get to have a last goodbye. And I know you love her and it touches me deeply that you do. And last night I was with my family. It was almost like Christmas there. I had my cousin there, my nieces, my nephews, a couple of the grandkids were there. My brother was there and we were all just kind of hanging out. My children were there and my mom was in the bed that's now in the living room and we were just kind of talking and we were laughing and we were telling stories and enjoying each other's company. And then I had this decision to make, you know, I'm sitting here with my family, but I have to prepare a message for you guys here. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? Do I, do I hang with my family or, or do I go and prepare a message? And it wasn't a hard decision. I stayed with my family and I, I thank you guys for being my family and allowing me the grace and freedom to do those kinds of things. Okay, I I don't want a church. I don't need a church. I need a family. 
And you guys have been that for me. And I thank you for that. I still want to give you something valuable, right? I'm not going to just, here's my family pictures now, you know what I mean? I want to give you something that's going to be beneficial, hopefully, to you guys. And if I ever feel I can't because I need to take some time off, I'll have someone here who has something to say, speak to you guys. But I am grateful for you guys and the help you've been to me. I'm grateful for, you know, my friends telling me, you need to get into some counseling. And I was like, why? I'm fine. Uh, And then consistently pursuing that I did. And and I actually did get some counseling and talk to Dr. Quinlan yesterday. Um, And it was very helpful. But all this is exactly what struck me in this story. Life is interrupted by events, things that happen. We get sidetracked, we get derailed. And that's really what happened in this story, both for Mary and for Joseph, right? And Joseph, he is not one of the main characters in this story. He's kind of, you know, the assisting or the, you know, the co to the whatever is going. He doesn't even have any lines, right? He's the actor who they don't give any lines. He's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the movie. It's better if you don't speak, right? It, he doesn't say anything in the story. He, he never says a word. And after Jesus's childhood, he just disappears. He probably died shortly after Jesus became of age in what we see in Scripture. Uh, he was probably about, I don't know, we don't know how much older than Mary, but Mary was probably about 13 years of age, which stop, pause, and think about that and freak out a little bit, right? And then Joseph was probably at least 10 years older than her. And a life expectancy then was, I think, in the 40s for men. They didn't live that long, and so he probably passed away. But we don't have a lot of information for him. We know that he was a carpenter, which is most likely a stonemason. It wasn't just like a woodworker because most of the carpentry was actually done out of stone that was there. And so it's fair to assume that he, being a young man, was looking forward to getting married. And all of a sudden, this happens. He finds out that she's pregnant. Now, Joseph's a good man. He consistently chose to do what is right. He he wanted to do what is good. And this becomes evident as the story goes on. To say the least, Mary's pregnancy ruined his plans. You know, he probably had plans to to get married, to, you know, have a family and to develop a life on his own. And now this happens and you can only imagine how devastating it would be to have to deal with all of this. But regardless of what Joseph may have felt, he was still thoughtful and caring. His plan A to get married, have a family, was ruined with this surprise pregnancy. And so he came up with a plan B, a private and quiet divorce. Now, I know they weren't married yet, but in the Hebrew culture, being betrothed, that engagement was the same. It was a contract. You're making a contract. Hey, are you going to marry my daughter? Okay, um, here, give me some donkeys and chickens, and we'll make this agreement. And that happens before they even get married, right? There's this kind of exchange, and so you're already committed, Okay, we're going to marry each other in a year, and we're already making all the preparations to get your family and all these things established. 
So he's going to divorce her quietly. But he could not let go of the thoughts. How can you? He wants to do the right thing, but he's still haunted by what is happening, the complications of his situation and what's moving on and what it might look like. What's going to happen to Mary and the relationship with her and her family? If he were to outright divorce her, what would be her reputation among all the people? And so he's having to make these decisions. And when it says that he considered in verse 20, in this form, it appears only three times in the New Testament. It can mean to take something to heart or to kind of ruminate, to meditate on it, to think about it. But there's also a strong emotional element to this word. When he considered, it means like he labored in this thought. It was something that was deep within him that troubled him. And it's not surprising that the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. I doubt he was sleeping very much, and probably when he did lay down to rest, that's when the thoughts come. That's how it is with us, right? You're busy, you're busy, you're busy, busy. You lay down and your mind thinks about all the things that you really need to think about. All the other things are kind of distractions sometimes, right? I, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Oh, now I've got to think about what's really happening, what's really important. And I imagine Joseph was the same way. A lot of thinking could have begun when his head hit the pillow, and not pleasant thoughts, Frequently in scripture, we see that God waits for people to sleep to speak to them. They're too busy during the day, and all he gets is a busy signal. And I wonder if that's true with us. We're just so busy, so busy. Okay, I'll watch TV when I'm going to sleep. I'll listen to music when I'm in the car or podcast. I've always got something going on because when I'm still, that's when I actually have to deal with things. That's my Darth Vader move there. (laughs) And so God presents Joseph with plan C. And the message was, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And this is what keeps us awake at night. It's the fears. How can I fix the mess? How can I get out of this? How can I deal with the pain? How can I remedy this situation? Even those of us who say we have no imagination can imagine all kinds of scenarios of what goes wrong, right? I have no imagination, but I'm thinking of the sky falling, right, in this circumstance and all these things happening. So God has to first calm Joseph so that he can listen. You know what? He's got to do that with us. If you're in the middle of something right now that's just causing turmoil, allow these words, do not be afraid to be something that calms your heart in your situation. God is speaking in this time. And maybe what we need more than anything is to calm our hearts from the fear and not let it drown out what God is trying to say. And it's a hard thing to be still when we're so used to moving and trying to fix and trying to answer and trying to remedy. It can be the hardest thing to do, but it's what has to happen first. 
The situation with Mary was not what he had assumed. Ending the relationship was not the answer. He needed to stay with her through this. What will come of this is a child with a destiny. What will come out of plan C is what we have and celebrate in this season. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. You see, it's interesting because all the characters in this scene have to be there except Joseph. Mary's going to have the baby because she's pregnant and that's what happens. Jesus is going to be born. He has no say in it. He's the baby. Joseph is the only one who had to make the choice whether he was going to be there or not. And this is an important choice. The man who has no lines, the man who seems incidental, is essential. And I just want to convey to you that things might seem like this is out of my control, out of my hands. There is always a plan C. Things aren't always black and white. Sometimes God comes up with something that is different and makes no sense at all. Sometimes what we have to do is wait to hear what that plan is. Everyone encounters unwanted, expected changes, right? Unexpected changes. Everyone encounters things that are difficult, that we're not prepared to handle. And a sudden change can occur any time in life that hit us, especially the older we get. You know, the people we love start getting sick. Right now, Denise is taking care of her mom. Pray for her mom. These things start to happen, especially as we get older. Yesterday, I had an appointment with Dr. Quinlan because I'm going through junk. And again, it was something I knew I needed to do, but a friend said, you need to go. There's a lot of people kind of looking to you and wanting you to be there for them and your family and and here. And we need you and we need you to be okay. So I knew it was true. And then they texted me yesterday and said, have you made an appointment? I said, luckily I had. I said, yes, I have. I'm going right now. But talking to Dr. Quinlan, he said, it's okay to talk about this. So that's why I'm talking about it. He said, it's okay. It's normal to feel the things that you're feeling. In fact, some of the things he said is you have to keep telling yourself this is normal. And what he said is that when you have issues already, like a little ADHD, well, what happens when grief comes is it becomes amplified and you've got extreme ADHD. And I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about this. Kareen's talking to me and I'm in outer space, right? Poor thing. She's been talking to a wall some of this time because I'm just like thinking about something like, are you there? Hello? Hello? I'm like, huh? I'm just out of it because the grief just emphasizes all these things. If you're depressed, it's multiplied. The depression gets deeper. It gets stronger. Everything does. The fear, the anxiety, all these things get amplified when you're experiencing grief. Oh boy, this is what I want. Merry Christmas, you know? Life can weigh on us so heavy that it seems like it's just suffocating us. Where it's like overwhelming and we just don't know, how do I deal with all this stuff? Sometimes... 
that's what it takes to open our eyes to what's important. Sometimes that's what it takes to stop us long enough to reevaluate what's happening in us and how we're dealing with what's happening around us. You know, I've tried to understand and sympathize with people who've gone through cancer, you know, and I don't think I've been bad at it, but there's a whole different level when you go through it with someone that you're close to. You know, stage four has a whole new meaning. Hospice has a whole new meaning. These things start to have a little bit more root in your heart and in your soul. And even changes that hurt, though, can be opportunities for growth. They're not always bad. I I know there are certain changes I need to make in my life, but if they don't reach the level of emergency, I can always put them off. I can say, "Ah, I don't need it yet. I don't need it yet. I don't need it yet. And then all of a sudden you need it. It's like the tire that's getting low. I don't need to put air in the tire. I don't need to put air in the tire. And all of a sudden you're driving on the rim. It's like, I need to put air in the tire. Sometimes life happens like that. If we go without change for a while, it's easy to become complacent. We go without change. We become numb to really life itself. In Psalm fifty-five nineteen, it says, because they do not change and do not fear God. They do not change and not fear God. It's interesting. I mean, it's kind of very archaic language, but the idea of change and fearing God are put together. What does that mean? The idea is not that you're afraid of God, is that there's no acknowledgement of God. There's no respect. He has no voice in your life, and so you have no change. You live your life as if he's not even there. C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to us hurt and dying world. When I'm training dogs, a lot of times the dog can care less about the owner. The dog's barking at everyone. The dog's lunging at people because they think the owner is just incidental. And then I come in and I take the leash and I start dealing with the dog. And the dog's like, who are you? This is what I assume the dog's saying, right? I don't really know. I don't hear dog language. I'm not Dr. Doolittle. But all of a sudden, I'm a presence that the dog has to think about it, and now it doesn't care about the skateboard. Why? Because this person's got the leash, and they're in control. And I think that's happening to us so many times. We, we don't fear God. We don't acknowledge God. We don't see God pressing in on our life because he always is. He always is. The bush is always burning. I just don't see it. I just don't go to it until I'm at the end of it. And then I hear, then I see, then I I feel, then I bow the knee. But it's always there. And so we need to be aware of these things. That unwanted changes force movement in new directions. They might carry transforming potential for our lives, right? And it depends a lot on what direction we decide to take. Like Joseph, we may come up with our own plan B. This seems like the logical thing. This seems like the right thing to do and then discover that God has a different plan and it's a better plan. It's not an easy plan, but it's a better plan. 
And meanwhile, things that used to be so important to us aren't so important. The things that we have put off take center stage in our life. In this story, Joseph is the one who had the choice and made it. As I was talking to Dr. Quinlan, we went through the stages of grief, and I thought about how I can learn and lean into these changes that need to take place. We talked about shock and denial, right? You deny something's happening, that God is doing something. If I don't see it, I'll be blind to it. If I deny it, I'll pretend it's not there. If Joseph had ignored the plan and the pain, ignored the dream, he would have ignored his future. It moves into anger. When we can't deny it any longer, we have to respond to it, but still can't quite deal with it. And often anger is how we mask it. It's how we kind of cover it. And and anger is not just anger like getting mad, but even like Joseph wanting to divorce her quietly, right? That's a, a response where denial is passive, anger is active. It's responding to it in some way, but oftentimes it's a way that's kind of lashing out because of the hurt that we're going through. And then a lot of times we are also bargaining with that anger, right? We're trying to work things out. Joseph was going to divorce her, but he's going to do it quietly. He's going to bargain. This is how I'm going to make everything good. This is what I'm going to do. I will deal with it this way. And so many times when people are in these situations where someone that they love is hurting. They want to bargain with God. God, if you will, if I will do this, will you do that? God, will you put this on me instead of on them? All these things to try and change the situation, try to bargain with God. And what's happening is it's coming from the pain. It's coming from the grief. It's coming from the, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do. And so I'm going to do anything I can. And it comes out in these outbursts And then there's depression. And the depression is, again, an inaction. It's paralyzation. It's, I don't know what to do. And there is a surrender that's there where you just kind of give up altogether. And even though depression is not a good thing, sometimes it's the thing that has to happen so that we stop the anger, so that we stop the trying to fix, so we stop the bargaining, and we finally stop all the moving. And then eventually there's acceptance. And this doesn't mean that the pain's gone and it goes away. It doesn't mean you've moved past the grief or loss. It does, however, mean that you've accepted it and have come to understand what it means in your life now. Doctor said that usually for the loss of someone that you love, a husband, wife, or child, it takes a minimum of two years to come to a place of acceptance where you begin to live your life with the understanding this is how it is now. With a parent, he says, sometimes it's a year. It was kind of when he says, you haven't, ex- you haven't gotten here yet. And I'm like, oh gosh, but I know what he means. How can you be? And so you're looking at a process. You're looking at time where these things happen. And I think these things can happen with us in our everyday lives, Right? And, and I want to leave you with something good. Merry Christmas. Um, just questions maybe that we can 
ask ourselves, are you able to encourage yourself in the Lord? Do you have healthy ways to calm your fears? Can you see unexpected change as your next step, your next adventure? Adventure always involves facing the unknown and risk, but that's not where Matthew takes us. And this Christmas is more than sorting out our emotional resources. God has given us Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. If we do not need saving, God would not have given us a savior. We, we can't make ourselves Christians. You were never meant to do this life in Christ on your own. This is where surrender takes place. This is where healing takes place. This is what our faith is, is an acknowledgement that I am not complete by myself. I need help. And Jesus says, I got you covered. That means everything when you've got nothing. And sometimes it just takes a wake-up call to help you realize, I really don't have anything. I really am not as strong as I think I am or I portray myself to be. I really don't have it all together like I hope I would or like my Instagram might look like. I really do need help. I really do need a savior. And when our heart breaks, we turn to Jesus. When we get anxious, we turn to Jesus. When I'm confused, I turn to Jesus. And I don't even know what to say. Sometimes I just turn and I just say, I I don't know what to do. But I come to you. And you turn as many times as you have to. You turn until your soul finds rest. You just keep turning. You keep turning. You keep turning. You keep surrendering. You keep surrendering. You keep surrendering until you find a strength that isn't your own, that comes from God, until you find a peace that isn't your own. It doesn't make sense, but it's there. I I was driving to the doctor's uh, office, and I just looked at the mountains, right? And they're just gorgeous. The mountains are so beautiful. And it was as if God was just covering me with snow. I was just blanketed with his presence. And, and I can't explain it, and I don't know, and I've been crying, um, but the doctor said it was okay, so I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> it just happens. And those are treasures for me. Those are times when I say, he's here. That's times when my limbic brain that can't put language to what's happening has a sense, a gut feeling that says it's happening now. God is present now. And I got to tell you, I need it now. And so do you. You know, in one way or another, we all need it now. We need the presence of God with us here. We need our savior. We need to find rest in him He is God with us, God with us in flesh and blood, human like us. That means he knows that it hurts to be human. He knows that these things happen and are going to happen. But we will be changed. 
Jesus knows, Jesus heals. And those he doesn't heal, he comforts. And that's good, good news. That is great news. And that's Christmas. That's Christmas. This is what we celebrate, God with us. In the midst of all of this, he is here. Let's pray. Father, it is a comfort. It isn't always the answer we want. It isn't a solution that we would want, but it is comfort. It is presence in the midst of turmoil. It is your presence speaking to us even in the pain. And God, my prayer for everybody here through this season is that we will see that, that we will remember that this season is about you with us. It is about the one who saves his people from their sins. It is God with us, that this is the good news that gives us hope in our struggles, that helps us through our lives. And Lord, you know the struggles that are here this morning. I'm not alone in these things, Father. There are people who are dealing with marriage issues. There are people dealing with health issues. There are people who are worrying about their kids and worrying about their parents. There's so many things that weigh on us, Lord. But even as those things are weighing on us, Lord, like snow, you cover us still. And your weight and your presence causes us to look to you instead of fear all these other things. And I pray that we would do that. We would still our hearts and acknowledge you. Not allow the fear to keep our minds blind. Lord, I pray your presence be known, experienced in our lives that we would all know that God is with us here and now. Amen. Let's stand together. May you not allow fear to make its home in your heart, but realize Jesus saves. And may you experience God with you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.